Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, a Monday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a November 8th edition, and coming up in just a second, Bill Melcher is going to join us to talk about the week that was, the week that will be, as we do it every Monday here on Flyers Daily. And it was a fascinating week of hockey for the Flyers to kick off the 14-game month with Arizona, with the game against Pittsburgh, first Metropolitan Division matchup of the season in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they were shorthanded. Flyers came away with an OTL, picked up a point, and then a big road win against the Washington Capitals in a 2-1 squeaker. But they come back with five of six points that were available on the week. So let's bring them in right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing I am doing fantastic. You know, it was a... Uh... Really successful trip for the Flyers to Washington. Three out of four points and, you know, two tough road games. And coming back with a 6-2-2 two, and two record, even with uh, the, all the absences they've had, key absences. So it's, uh, you know, it's looking up right now. Before we get to that, I want to talk about the Flyers-Warriors first. And sure. We're definitely going to talk about what you just alluded to. But I want to talk about the Flyers-Warriors. All three levels, we had Brad Marsh on last week. And all three levels, Flyers-Warriors programs were in the finals. And all three levels, they go in the blank. They won the championship. That's um, great. Yeah, even the tier one championship. And it was really cool because uh, during the during the uh, tier one championship game, the Flyers American players, uh, Faraby and, and Ben Reamsdyke and Nate Thompson, uh, Cam Atkinson, were all standing behind the glass, pounding on the glass, rooting no. them, you know, rooting for the Flyers Warriors. So that was that was really really cool. That was uh, you know it, it was a good cap to a fun weekend. That's not only cool that they did that, but how cool is it for the guys playing? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Oh. I mean, yeah, that, that's something they'll never forget. No, that's for sure. The program is, you know, designed to help veterans uh, with varying disabilities and, you know, to make them feel better and help them. And, and it really does. And like you can say you're there to help and all that stuff. And then when the players come out and do that, that says, no, we really believe in this. And that's just, that is awesome to hear. Yeah, I'm so happy. Really, really that. cool stuff for sure. Oh man. I got to talk to some of those guys that played in it just to get their thoughts on that. Cause that sounds just electric for them. Um, let, let's talk about what you just alluded to the week that was. And, you know, we looked at this week, Bill, we said, okay, November starting, this is 14 games in a month, seven home, seven away. We reckon, you know, we hearken back to 2019-20 when they had that 16 games and only lost two in regulation in that month. And we looked at this month and said, this is a very important month of hockey because we look at this Eastern Conference, we see how tight it is, this Metropolitan Division, how incredible it is. And to start off the week with Arizona, I didn't love the first two periods, but the third period they came out, they took care of business, workmanlike. They come away with a 3 nothing win. Again, great goaltending by Carter Hart and Arizona without a win at that point, clearly playing some pretty good hockey though. If you look at the results they've had, you know, in other games, just missing out on that win. And then you go on the road in Pittsburgh and you know, they're, they're undermanned, but you manage to get a point out of it. And then you come back against the Capitals in the second game of the metropolitan schedule. And you get a two, one grinded out win with your backup goalie. Second time he's done that. And you come back from the trip. And the first week of the of the uh, month of November, and you get five of a possible six points. I mean, you got to look at that as a it's not a grand slam, but it's a, a nice, a real nice triple or home run. Sure, and, and particularly, you know, you look at the, the win in Washington. That was a really good process that was behind it, particularly mm -hmm. those first two periods. Uh, Flyers really, you know, 
checked them hard. Uh, they, they didn't allow time and space. They for two periods they they took Ovechkin uh, out of play as as they should when a team's you know that that undermanned. You can key on him a little bit more. Um, you know they uh, they they great forechecking pressure. Everybody was back checking. They got saves when they needed them. You know in the third period they they had to hold on uh, a little bit, but uh, you know they they got key saves when they needed them. They killed a penalty. They got some big clears near the end without icing the puck. A couple of times. There was a um, great lag at the end. I, I forget who it was that lagged it, but it like it just hung up before the goal line. It was beautiful. Yeah, uh, I think it was either it was either Ristolainen uh, or Provorov because they both had one. Yeah, right? yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like, it, it doesn't get too much better than that. I, and also, I, I guess you can add too that you know we were wondering what would the second pair look like if you had a if Sanheim and Ristolainen could both beyond their games on the same night. Well, we saw that. Yeah. And they, they, they look, they look pretty dynamic. And of course the, the top pairing would be, uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Justin Braun's getting enough credit for what a good job he's done filling in on, on that top pairing. And, and, uh, Provorov has had an outstanding start to the season. So, you know, it's all looking up with another tough week coming up. Bill, uh, Provorov's been on the, on the ice for one five on five goal against in 10 games. And we know that he draws the top matchup. But, you know, when they're home, that's the case. On the road, you know, top lines, they try and get them away from guys like Provorov. But still, he sees a ton of hard minutes. How, I mean, his he doesn't have the offensive numbers right now. That's fine because yeah. it, what he's doing defensively, he just looks so much more confident in the D zone. And the, and the ironic part is that for what now, five or is it six games that he's been without Ryan Ellis total on the season? And he's seven doing it with games. Justin Braun. Seven yeah, games? Because uh, wow. Alice played the first three games that homestand, you know, that started the season, hasn't played since then. Great so point. He's, he's done it without him. That's a, that's amazing to me. And, you know, and I talked to Ivan about that. We had him on Flyers Daily last week. And I said, you know, after last year and all the changing in partners and lack of consistency, uh, it's old hat to jump in there with Braun. And that's why Braun has – the value that he has to a team because he can jump up in this spot. He's maybe not the long-term answer, but you're right. He's been good, but boy, Provorov is really driving the truck right now. Oh, no, no question. Um, you know, he, and he's doing, he's doing everything. I mean, he's passing mm-hmm. the puck. Well, he's, he's making good defensive decisions. The points aren't there, but he is making good, good up ice plays. You know, I don't, I don't know long-term if you, if you have the option of Yandel on the top power play unit, maybe at some point they'll go back to that. But you know it's not hurting the team right now either. I, I mean, I just I just think that Provorov's start to the season has been, you know, one of the big bright spots so far this season. Uh, and you just mentioned that Bill Ristolainen and Stan, and Sanheim. And I, I've said on here that I feel like I at times I could see Ristolainen thinking. And there's and there's a bit of a process that has to go on with him. Number one, you have to strip him down a little bit get him to learn a new system and it's another new voice. I mean, a guy who's had a ton of voices in Buffalo with six head coaches over the years and different general managers. And then also you got to wash that Buffalo off them, you know, practice habits and the way you conduct yourself day in and day out. And then, you know, not being on a team that just loses and accepts losing. There's all those elements, but it seems to me like there's been spurts in games, but you're right. The Washington game, he and Sanheim looked very good together, and it's not an accident that he ended up on the score sheet in that situation as well. Not, not at all. I mean, they were, you know, because there were there were segments of games, or even maybe a couple 
individual games or one or the other had a pretty good game. But the you know, they, it was individually, not so much as a pairing in sync. Yeah. This is the first time they looked in sync with one another. And it, you know, it looked, it looked pretty dynamic. Um, you know, making both guys joining the rush has needed up ice. Both guys making some pretty good plays in, in their own end of the ice. And, and both guys, you know, because uh, because Provorov and um, and Braun logged a lot of ice time, but the third pairing really did not log a lot of ice time at all. Um, you know, the Flyers only had one power play, and Yandel played about 12-plus minutes, and, and Nick Sealer only played a, a, about 11-20 or something like that in, in the game. So that they were, you know that thing you needed twenty two minutes out of that middle pairing, and they got it. And there's, those are quality minutes too. Yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, it's that piece of it too. But it's also playing playing well as five man units. Yeah. And uh, you know, just uh, I mean, that was really that was really a very encouraging game. Sometimes sometimes you win a game, you squeak it out, and it's always good, particularly against a division rival. But I really I really like the process that the the Flyers followed in getting there. One of the things that actually you know impressed me about the Penguins when they beat the Flyers without Crosby is they didn't change their process at all. No, you know uh, they, structure was there; it was all there. Exactly right on, on both sides of the puck, and they were relentless. And the Flyers, the Flyers did that, you know, in Washington. And that's uh, you know if you can if you can replicate that process on a regular basis, you know, then then you're on to something. It's uh, again, it, it was a good step, but it's. Uh, you know that that good feeling can go away in a hurry if you have a bad week. So that, oh, yeah. that's just the nature that's just the nature of the schedule in the league. But I, I was really happy with, with what I saw in the you know in the Washington game and really overall because sometimes you don't you know sometimes you have a game like uh, like Arizona where you have a team that's you know frankly desperate for a win and they they came out and they really really worked hard against the Flyers and you know the Flyers stepped up in the third period when they had to and sometimes. Sometimes that's what you have to do. So, you know, finding ways to win, getting the goaltending you need. I mean, it's all, you know, that's all good stuff. Yeah, the one I didn't like in that Pittsburgh game, the first goal that they scored, what, like 16 seconds in. I thought Ristolainen got a little lost on that of, on the game, was playing in between two guys. And when you do that, sometimes you're not playing either guy. But you, you're right. Um, let's talk about the goaltending, Bill. Uh, you know I love talking goaltending, and I like talking good goaltending. Because, boy, has this team – now. The, the environment, I said this on yesterday's episode, the environment has clearly been better. They're giving guys better sight lines to pucks, to track pucks, to replays. There's more predictability and coverage. Um, but these goaltenders, and it's Hart and it's Jones, are doing their job. They're making the saves they have to, they're supposed to make, and they're making some saves that they're not supposed to make. And that's a great combination. I mean, Jones is what north of 950 save percentage at this point. It's fantastic. You know, and, and they said that, uh, you know, I remember when the commentator said the broadcast yesterday, uh, they keep hitting Jones in the t- chest with the shots. Well, he's, in the right I mean, spot. <laughs> he's exactly in the right spot. He's giving him nothing to shoot at. Yeah. You know, he was, I mean, he was very poised and calm in his net, very, you know, very quiet. So that was, that was really great to see. And, and, and talking about it in terms of like saves that, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you don't even really expect from your goalie that first five, six minutes of that second period in Pittsburgh where it was all Pittsburgh and the Flyers are running around their own end of the ice. They really didn't, you know, that was, that was one of the negatives where they didn't really, they didn't really show up on time for that second period. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, second periods in general until the Washington game have been a, been an issue, but, but hard almost single-handedly kept the score where it was during, during that period of time. 
And that's, you know, sometimes you have games where you, where you need that. And they've Flyers have gotten that pretty consistently. Other than maybe that second period on an opening night, goaltending has been there every night for the Flyers. And that's a, that's a great sign. You know, I, it makes me want to fight somebody when they say they just keep hitting him. Because, you know, that that's why sometimes, you know, people will value a goaltender um, like a Marc-Andre Fleury, not that he's not great. He's not going to the hall of fame. They value him more because he makes more dynamic saves. But a lot of that is the self-inflicted wound of over pursuing or taking too much ice and the positional goal. It's why people, I think a lot of times over a lot of years in the beginning, especially for Carey Price didn't value him because he made it look easy. It's right. like, ah, they're hitting him. No, because his efficiency and movement puts him in a spot where he gives them nothing. Carter does the same thing in a lot of ways when he's really on it, he he's almost a boring goaltender to watch because he doesn't have to go to desperation a lot. A lot. Some goalies do like flurry, like quick over the years was one of those guys. Jones is one of those guys too. You got to give Tim, Tim Dillaball a lot of credit here because he moved Martin back in the net and you said it, he's been quiet in his movement. He's been efficient and he's getting hit and he's in the right spot because he's traveling less distance. Yeah. And it, both goalies are really tracking the puck. Well, mm-hmm. and reading plays. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, rereading plays as they develop. Yep. I mean, it, it it's helped. We've talked about how the how goaltending and defense go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not giving up the backdoor plays this year, so the goalies don't feel inclined to cheat. Yep. You know the, that that unravels, as you know, because if, if you give up, if they're always mindful of the backdoor, they start cheating over. They give up a couple short side goals, and then the defense in front of you sags. It, yep. it you know it becomes and and then of course it becomes the other way around too. Where you're not you're not worried about uh, you know you're worried about playing the shooter, and uh, you know you know the guys have it in front. If there's a rebound, it'll be cleared. You know all all those kind of things. They're giving them they're giving them a sight line on it, and they're making clean saves. Not many rebounds, but if there are rebounds, most of them have been been cleared to safety. So it's you know the defense and the goaltending working together very well. Yeah, and and part of that's the forwards as well chipping in that. Uh, Bill, let's kind of look at this real quick from a 10-game, you know, capsule right now real quick because they are 10 games in. It's an eighth of the season. But seven of those games, as we alluded to, have been without Ryan Ellis. Every one of those games has been out without Kevin Hayes, your second-line center. And your 2C is a guy on a veteran minimum right now who's played very well. And then, you know, one of your energy guys, bottom six forwards in Wade Allison, a guy maybe could see power play two time is not been available for 10 games. This team is off to a good start. And, you know, the coaching staff and a a lot of these players deserve a lot of credit because guys have taken on a role that maybe they weren't brought here to take on. For sure. And, you know, those first three games, you know, the first homestand, the Broussard line was huge. Uh, The Broussard line then has struggled. For for a batch of games, but they stepped up big and they stepped up big in the Washington game to get really two shifts stand, stand out for me both in the second period. You know the Broussard line, which you know by the numbers and also by the eye test, really had spent way too much time defending, not creating a lot of chances, you know, not even creating really you know much much offensive time at all. Um, and the Flyers really could you know needed that early early second period shift that they gave where they they had uh washington hemmed in they created a couple of chances off of it and then all of a sudden you roll roll the next line out uh which was the which i think was the lawton line and they've been they've been just great in terms of creating four checking pressure and then you then they were able to go to the top line so it was three straight shifts in a row that's where momentum comes from 
Yep. You know, and they uh and then of course ultimately they ultimately the Broussard line scored a goal. And that was uh, you know, it would have been the first time since that home stamp to get that to get some of that offensive support, some of that secondary scoring. I mean, you need that. You know, the uh the Lawton had stepped up in each of the two games before that, but neither, you know, Van Riemsdyk doesn't have a five on five goal yet, although he's playing well. And Lindblom is still searching for his first goal of any kind, and he's playing well. But you know, but the but the onus to actually put the puck in the net had been on the top line and PP one. So to actually get uh, get some secondary scoring was a big sign, and you need that. You know, I, I at uh, practice as a recording this today, I, I was saying to um, I asked Mike Yo and I asked Justin Braun. You know, every team talks about the the next man up mentality, but when you're actually in that situation and you're having other guys step up, that's where you know. That's where teams come together. When you're playing without some of your best players and you get contributions from different spots on the lineup and you have new faces who are, are playing a little bit bigger role, I mean, that's, you know, that's where that, that uh, team identity comes from, that it really you can, you can withstand adversity when it pops up. So, you know, to be 6-2-2 two two through, uh, through 10 games, it's not perfect. You know, they might have left a point or two in, on, on the table. But I, I, you would start going in before the first ten games, you know, and if you knew that you were going to be without Ellis for seven and without Hayes at all, you would certainly take fourteen points gladly. Yeah, I'll sign up for that any day of the week. And you, you're so right. I agree with you so much on that because the next man up thing is a, is a cute saying, but it doesn't mean anything until it's proven that yep. it's happening and it's happening. So that that's part of it. But one of the other things I love is, you know, one of the things of of the team from 1920 that was a big identity of that team is how they responded to losses. You know, they didn't lose back-to-back games, I think from January 6th until the second round of the playoffs against uh, the New York Islanders when they went seven. They got down three games to one. They bounced back from the shootout loss on opening night with a 6-1 win over Seattle. Okay, it's Seattle, whatever, right? But they they beat Boston after that as well. Then they lose to Florida in the final game of the homestand, and they go to Edmonton and they get a 5-3 win. Then they lose the final game of the road trip for nothing, and they come back, they get a 3 nothing win, and they take five out of six points. Responding to losses and how tight this division in this conference is may be the most you know, productive identity or identifiable feature that they need this year to be a team that stays right in there and doesn't have to chase it at any point in the season. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, this this is a tough division. This is, this is a division where a good week can push you up to first or right in the brink of first. And then if you have a bad week where you get only a point or two out of four games, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're below the playoff cutoff. I mean, you know, there, this is probably the toughest division in hockey right now in terms of top to bottom depth. So yeah, to, to avoid those back-to-back losses, that, that definitely adds up over the course of a season. It's huge. Bill, the PK, um, you know, it was a concern. We talked about it last week as one of our concerns, but it has stepped up. It looks like it's getting a lot better. And the zone entries that, you know, they're making a little bit more difficult on the opposition to get in the zone and get set up. And it seems like they're taking away a little bit more time and a little bit more space and not letting teams just kind of have their, you know, ability to move the puck around and put you in such a, you know, vulnerable position to give up, you know, a one-time goal. And they've done a good job doing that. And, I mean, look at the Washington game. That power play in the third period, when Ovechkin did get his opportunities, it looked like Jones was waiting on it. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody was, waits on Ovi. <laughs> no, no, I mean that's uh, yeah, that that was 
that was really textbook. They, the up ice pressure was really, really good. Yep. You know, they were, they were not, they were not giving Washington time and space. To, we talked about how, you know, how when they were going well a couple of years ago, they had pretty good strong side pressure. And then, you know, what ends up happening when you, you give up a few is you do tend to try to sag back over the middle, but it, you can't really do that in, in, in the league anymore. You know, they will, they'll carve you. And, uh, you know, I said, Obi was really a non-factor until the third period. And as you said, I mean, Jones, Jones was right there when they finally did set him up. I mean, it's no, it's never been a mystery as to what the Capitals are trying to do, mm-hmm. but stopping it is always the hard part. And the, you know, the Flyers did a stellar job and uh, that was, that was a big penalty kill. You know, you know, one goal game and, you know, you, uh, you're holding your breath, but they, they did a great job and were able to ride it the rest of the way. Yeah, I just love two of those two right pad saves he had on Ovi were just sensational. It was just so much confidence in the way he flashed. I loved it. Um, built interesting schedule last week. It was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. This week it's going to be Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Three games in four days, one at home. Get Toronto on Wednesday at home, and then you're going to get uh, a, a little mini back-to-back road trip, a two-gamer. Head to Carolina to take on a tough Canes team, Metropolitan Division matchup, and then you're going to head to Dallas and take on the Stars the next night. Um, this week, uh, just like last week, just as important because, like you said, you have to go into every week and get as many points as you can because one bad week, nobody's going to cry for you. Yeah, and you know it doesn't get easier. This is a tough league. You know, they're they're really, you know, other than maybe like like in Arizona or Chicago's a mess right now in the other conference. But the, you know you just don't have you just don't have that in this division. Even Buffalo has has been more competitive this season. Maybe There's maybe two teams down. in the conference that are below five hundred. Two. It's, it's wild. It's yeah. wild. You know it's uh, so. You know so it, it doesn't get easier. So you have to. You know that that's that's the hallmark though of a, a team that is truly a successful team is they can have a good outcome, but they can also replicate it every day. So that's uh, you know the Flyers still have yet to prove that they'll do that. It's still early, but uh, there certainly seems to be on the right track. Yeah, you can have a good week this week, then all of a sudden you're coming home the following week for a three-game homestand, yeah. and you don't have back-to-backs on the homestand. It's every other day. They're going to take on Calgary that week with a big, big spoonful of revenge on their mind, then Tampa, and then Boston, all at the Wells Fargo Center on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday week before going back at it next the following Tuesday as well. So it'll be fascinating. It's been such an intriguing start. Uh, to the season. And I think one of the things, Bill, somebody asked me uh, when I took some questions the other night about Giroux and about his start to the season. And I, and I really thought about it before I answered it. And my answer was why he's come out so aggressive, leading the team in shots, why he uh, has got off to such a good start. And yeah, part of it's contract year. I think dollars always equal help that. But to me, it was to prove a point that this team was way closer to what they were in 2019-20 than what they were last year. The, the truth is somewhere in the middle, but it, he's trying to prove the point and push the team and will the team to say, no, 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 it's not even close to what we were last year. It's way closer than any of you thought after last season to what it was in 2019-20, especially in the 2020 part of that. No, no, no question. And I also think, and I – I would not be at all surprised if this was based on exit interviews and feedback from Giroux and other team leaders. They did make they did make changes in the offseason, quite a few of them. Have you noticed how much five-on-five continuity there's been, even when it's not going well? A.B. has not really tinkered with the lines very much. He, he's taken, I think, you know, uh, a little gentler touch 
in his handling of the team so far. And mind you, that that's uh, you know that's also based on performance. But it definitely seems like AV, after the Pittsburgh game, he took a gentle touch. Uh, yes, because I didn't agree. With, I did not I agree with his agree take either. on that game. <laughs> I said he didn't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, you, know, I, you know, with him saying that I loved how we played tonight, I, I thought, well, I, I I didn't really love how they played. Except for you know, except for spots in the game, but yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, exactly. But I, but I do think that that's, uh, you know, I I do think Giroux and and some others, Couturier, had a little bit of a hand in that too. Listen, you know, this is what we need from you. Av is trying to do that, and they've they've responded so far. They've, uh, you know, Giroux has played like a man possessed through the first ten games, no question. Oh, he is. And he's got points in nine of the ten games. You're right. He's been just so good, and you know that goes a long way when you say. Hey, we know what you need from us. We'll do that. We, this is what yeah. we need from you. Let's reciprocate. And then you have a good dynamic player to coach, and it goes both ways as well, like it already is now. And see, to me, it seems like, and I would get your read on this, that this team is way more, for those that can't see us on video, together with their fingers interlocked as a unit than they ever were last year in just 10 games this year. They they really do. You it's know, crazy. they – yeah, they're very much they're very much on the same page. Last year, when things would go a little bit awry, it seemed like everybody was kind of doing their own thing a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, some of it had to do with truly being, you know, truly being on your own a lot of the time, just because of, you know, I, I last year was not a good season to struggle. Uh, you know, I, I think a team like, uh, you know, Vancouver went through that a little bit last year too. Yeah. Where, and if you remember how crazy, I mean, you know, that that was a year for some teams where you're just like, hey, you know, some teams were hit harder than others. And it's not an excuse, but I do think the Flyers were one of the harder hit teams just just as it developed a year ago. And I do think this is a very close knit team this season. Yeah, and that's a good sign to get that together with so many new faces and get it together early. Well, Bill, it's going to be yet another fascinating week of hockey as the Flyers will have uh, coming up on Wednesday. The, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs in town, and if the Flyers beat the Leafs, you know the, the sky will be falling in Toronto. We know that oh, much yes. for sure. <laughs> and, and we're inching closer and closer to the alumni game and the and the induction of Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren into the Flyers Hall of Fame. That's coming up against Calgary on the 16th, so a lot of great stuff on the horizon. Uh, let's have a great week of hockey. Bill, thanks for doing this as always. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll have another brand new one for you coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy your Monday if you can. And uh, have a great day, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's brand new Flyers Day.